0: You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we hear from Da Hjettil Hansen, CEO of Breadbands Fylkjeds in Norway, and Jukka Pekka Joensuu, attorney at law and partner at Avershed Sutherland, discussing how data cables can be used as game changers when connecting the Arctic. The session was moderated by Heider Gvidjonsson, chair of the Arctic Economic Council the session originally took place at the 2019 Arctic Circle Assembly and was co-organized by the Arctic Economic Council Dear ladies and gentlemen your excellencies and thank you for the invitation today we all know that the we are no, uh, know that the sustainable infrastructure is crucial for the society, for the development of the community, digitalization, and also the development of the Arctic. The resources in Arctic, like fish, minerals, oil and gas, are needed. need of the infrastructure, a sustainable infrastructure for digitalization. And I will try to give you a little brief view about the local and regional uh, opportunities and demands. To utilize the resources we have in the Arctic, we need the digitalization as the rest of the world, like Europe, America, and also the rest of the world. We need the infrastructure to the digitalization, to make the economy more efficient, to work more efficient, and so on. In the Arctic, we have the green power. As I said about the data centers, we are using a lot of energy, and the green power we have in the Arctic uh, is provided or used to the zero emission data centers hydrogen uh, power is zero emissions. But lack of subsea cables is a disadvantage for the region to provide these data centers. As you can see, this Arctic subsea cable like Pekka told you about, we have both local and global benefits of it. The Arctic will benefit of the global traffic and economy in that traffic and the global industry will benefit of the shorter route through the Arctic. In the northernmost part of Norway, Trums and Finnmark, we have an extended network, fiber-optic network. And we want to do the society more efficient with the digitalization, but we make more vulnerable as well. One single cable could break. So we are in need of diversity and redundancy in the network. If one cable is breaking, it could take days and weeks to repair it. So, how do we do this? A lesson learned from the strategic work to build this infrastructure. You need to have a long-term view of the investment. You have to think about the whole society, from education, healthcare, search and rescue in the sea. There is no short-term investment. So, yes, okay, sorry. Yes, so you have to think in long terms uh, we are in need of public and private uh, partnership working together. The society, the government need to think about the society and the long terms. How will we have the education for the children, the university? We could use this infrastructure as well to research and development in the Arctic, collecting uh, data's. And all these data need to transport to the computers and, and stores to, to uh, analyze this. Thank, Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Hello, everyone. It brings me great pleasure to be here in Iceland. Last time I was here, I was uh, going up and down the mountains uh, skiing with my Telemark skis because I used to ski 200 days a year. Now I'm... Uh, traveling around the world 200 days a year. Hopefully five, 10 years from now, I'll be skiing another 200 uh, days per year. Uh, I have a very fascinating story for you to tell. Uh, I'm representing Sinia, which is a, a private company, uh, strongly supported with ownership of the Finnish government. As you heard uh, yesterday, the Prime Minister uh, Antti said that this, Cable route connecting Europe to Asia through the Arctic is one of the biggest priorities in uh, technology and uh, in the field of the Finnish uh, government, how to pursue in Nordic way new ways to run the business. How is the new business to be run? First of all, we have to build sustainable global infrastructure. That's really number one issue for us all. Uh, And how to do that? If you build data cables, connecting different continents and then building uh, data hubs in various regions and building data centers where you have renewable energy and then you have the, the, the best technology in the world, it's called climate. I would say that's one of the biggest uh, points that we have here in the Arctic because we have this cool technology already here. And we also know how to build sustainable business. So this brings us a unique opportunity to link Europe and Asia through North, through Northern routes. And that will foster future growth and help sustain digitalization. And why is this possible? It's very simple, you just take a look at geography. Instead of uh, building sea cables, which which, by the way, they carry 99.6% of all internet in the world. So they have all been built from one continent to another on on sort of uh, latitude routes. This provides a unique opportunity to combine latitude and longitude routes. And that's really, a, a, a I would say, a killer technology. So the way to do business smarter. I recently met a, a friend of mine who, who lives in Singapore and we met in Tokyo talking about this project and his flight from Singapore to Tokyo took seven hours. And you think, Singapore is much closer to Tokyo than Helsinki. Well, my flight from Helsinki took 8 hours and 40 minutes. Very little difference. So building this kind of cable system will cut the distance over one third. So this will provide 30 or 40% better latency. If you build better latency, then you have much better possibilities of running your business. And secondly, you can build this cable system so that it can connect various continents. So in the old times when you're building the the biggest cable routes, they go through uh, North America and Europe. And those were the trading routes which were uh, done at that time. If you would build this kind of cable system, which we are intending to build with our Japanese partner with our Asian partner, with our uh, Russian partners, Megaphone with our international partners, we can really build a future proof infrastructure and solid sustainable technology. So with the expected growth that we saw just recently and the cable system, which is really relying a proof technology we have a solid track record of the people and organizations which can build this kind of infrastructure, we can make something very unique here in the Arctic. So I'm very glad to give a little teaser about this and later talk about this more. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to start asking you, Yuka Pekka, uh, about sort of the cost and the funding of this big project. Uh, in 2012, the Russians spearheaded an initiative called Road Tax, which was an ambitious project. And at the time, people were forecasting that that cable going all the way from London, north of Siberia, and down to Japan would cost roughly $2 billion. So is this something you can share with us on the
1: number side? Yes, ab- absolutely. So what we are building now is... a. Uh international project with international partners and what we are building is a cable system for global connectivity and uh, as you know the 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 nordics and uh, northern regions and can act as powerhouses which gives a huge benefits for the customer side it also helps uh, building the, uh, the, uh, the momentum for, for customers because all of them can see the benefits. Uh, we have estimated that the cost of today for this kind of cable system is around 700 million. And with that, we can connect from, uh, from the top of Nordics, uh, from chirkenes uh, between a border between Finland and uh, uh, Norway, and then run it directly to uh, Japan. And from Japan, you can have connections to other parts of Asia. So that uh, part is 10,500 kilometers. And already, prior to that, we actually built a, uh, uh, a connectivity connecting continental Europe and uh, Nordics with Sea Lion Cable, which was uh, the, the, the project delivered by uh, by CINIA. And uh, That build-out was in 2014, and uh, out of uh, eight fiber pairs, I think we have five or six now sold and reserved. So, we are running out of fiber pairs. So, it proves the business model. And the same kind of business model is uh, applicable also in this uh, project, because the global benefits are even stronger.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Uh,
1: So... uh, if we look at the climate and we look at uh, what
2: the local communities can benefit from these uh, data centers, I, I have to share something which I'm a bit embarrassed to share with you, but that's the average temperature in, in, in our Arctic. The average temperature in Iceland is actually the same as your refrigerator. That, that's, that's where we live. Uh, it doesn't fluctuate much and so it gives uh, uh, natural cooling to these data centers
1: May, may I tell a story? I'm, I'm an old guy, I'm over 50, but I went to, to Australia, and then they, they asked me how old I am I said, well, you guessed, They said I'm 40 Oh, great, and they, they said well, you don't have wrinkles, no, because I was kept in a fridge most of my life <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm 75 <laughs> No, but so, if we look at the power use efficiency that I mentioned earlier, uh, 1.6, 1.7 on average in the world, it's one here. So, in other places, you need to use 70% more energy for running a data center than in the Arctic. So, I want to ask uh Are is there enough energy uh, around Tromsø, where you're from, to uh, build up this business?
0: Yes, in, in the modern, uh part of uh, Norway, we have a lot of sustainable energy and green power. We have a lot of uh, hydrogen uh, plots. And uh, the TSO's network is not capable to tra- uh, transport all the electricity uh, to the south. So we have a lot of, you can say, encapsulated uh, power we could use to the uh, data centers.
2: And this is all green, renewable?
0: It's all green and renewable. Renewal.
2: Then, Yuka up. what will be the impact, for instance, on the connectivity along the route uh, north of Russia? Will this cable help the local communities gain access to the digital highways?
1: Absolutely. Our intention is actually build uh, two very different subsystems. The other one is for the global markets, and it's uh, like a speed train or whatever. Uh, so it goes uh, from Europe to Asia directly without any hubs, any stoppings, any stops. And, uh, and then, uh, together with Megaphone, the intention is to build a, a sub-Russian, sub-Eurasian uh, system, which also will enhance and help uh, the, the, the northern connectivity and also build sustainable business. And the reason why I stress this so importantly is that with connectivity, you can have better redundancy. So you can actually make measurements that can prevent any accidents or, or things that can happen in the Arctic. Also, the, the other point is really that uh, I don't think it's feasible uh, to run a, a big powerhouses in Central Europe or, or, or in Southern Europe and those kind of places where you can run those in the Nordics. The difference between Helsinki and Frankfurt is less than 20 million. It's 19.7 milliseconds. You can run any application with that kind of latency. And that's really the key change in the world. We have been discussing that we could have the data centers up in the Nordics that can support some of the data centers or edge data centers in Asia. And in Asia, they have uh, you know, issues with, uh, with the energy and things like that. It is much easier to, 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 to carry uh, data than to carry energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and energy
2: and data are sort of almost coming into one. I, I imagine like in northern Norway, there's probably a lot of stranded energy. You refer to the transmission system not being up to date, but it's much cheaper bringing the information to uh, the power source than bringing the power source to the information, right?
0: Yes, yes, of course it's much more cheaper to uh, to transport the data uh, and uh, than the, uh, the power. And Not all the data in the world needs to be uh, processed in real time. We have, you can call it the frozen data, data stored, backups and and things like that. And that is easily uh, could be uh, in a data center in the north, in the Arctic. Excellent.
2: Well... Uh, I promised you would get a chance to ask some questions, so there are microphones here on either aisle, so if you have a question, just uh, go to the microphone, introduce yourself and, and come up with a brief question. Is there anyone?
1: Yes, go ahead. Uh, hello, my name is Harm uh, Greidanus from from the Netherlands. Um, so you hear a lot about uh, quantum communication these days is there any way in which your cable plans think about that possible future option? That, that's, a, that's a very good question. So, so what we intend to build is, uh, is uh, a system, an eight fiber pair system with more than 22 terabits per fiber pair. So you can run a lot of data on those networks. And carrying that, it also uh, enables... Uh, let's say, the use of supercomputers and use of uh, edge networks, edge computing, and also quantum con- computing.
0: Excellent. So
1: so, so I think this, uh, it really, it's uh, it's technology which is existing today, but it enables the technological development for tomorrow.
2: Thank you. Please. Hi, my name is Josh Heinrichs. I'm a student at University of Iceland. And I'm curious... Uh, I read a lot about um, the potential of satellite constellations being used to uh, communicate around the world, which is kind of a fundamentally different approach to communication. Um, Do you see this as being a competitor to what you're
1: doing? And if so, what would be the timeline where it would be a viable competitor? Thank you. I I recently, you know, I'd say to answer to this, uh, three, I think four years ago I had a chance to be in a in uh, Stockholm, and I met an old lady from Hong Kong, and she was in the fiber to the home event, and uh, she was raising money for Alzheimer' uh, because her husband got an Alzheimer', and her husband had gotten a Nobel Prize in that same building, in the same town hall, and she talked about that event. Uh, and uh, so I met a lady whose husband had Invented how to carry, you know, fiber optics, and that was a breakthrough technology. And any other technology is not viable with with the fiber optics. It doesn't take away the satellites. Actually, it really improves the business case for the satellites because the satellites, I would say, very simply, it's a, uh, it's it's reaching you, and it's location-based services. It's it's providing small Pieces of commu- uh, connectivity to the places where it's not feasible to build fiber optics. But when building fiber optics closer to these places, it enables also better cell-like uh, connections. And this this is very interesting for this 1.2 billion who don't have internet today. And with the with the fiber cables that we can build, they can have that tomorrow. And that can bring some some new values. The societies and for the development.
2: And on this note, I could also add that the copper that used to carry the telephony in the past that was in place for eighty years, we started using fiber optic cables up uh, well around nineteen eighty and the first fiber optic cables are still there, they're still very usable, uh, what happens is that the end stations get upgraded, but the pipes are more or less intact. If you try to then uh, add a new system like a global satellite system, even a cheaper low orbital global satellite system, uh, it's always going to be much more expensive. Uh, more maintenance, more uh, startup costs, so it's hard to see it competing in the un- unless there's the extreme remote places. But what we thought was extremely remote, uh, let's say 20 years ago, uh, like connecting Siberia, uh, connecting uh, through the Northwest Passage, like the Quintilian is now doing, connecting the remotest areas of Canada, the backbone is coming in now. So it's easier to build on top of that. So we have one more question, please. Hi, uh, my name is John Higginbotham. I'm from Canada. Actually, I was going to ask about Quintilian and what the status of that project is and whether that's competitive with this project, because it goes through Alaska and goes through the Northwest Passage again uh, with the argument that you'll get a very good service between Asia and uh, Western Europe. The second question is whether you have any concerns about security of data running a, a cable of that importance uh, through Russian territorial waters.
1: Uh, two very, very important questions. Uh. Uh, first of all, about Quintillion, of course, we, we know them very well. We uh, discussed with them frequently. Uh, I think that what they have did, done in Alaska was a really breakthrough uh, project, and we cooperate with them. So, so cooperating with them is, is, is the answer. So, we are by no means uh, competing.
2: And both Quintillion and Arctic Connect will come ashore in Japan?
1: And and the vision could be actually, I I would state here in the Arctic Circle, which I would hope that uh, 10 years from now that we would have two circumpolar routes, both Northeast Passage and Northwest Passage. Um, Then I would also have some uh, James Bond stories to tell about the the, the security and things like that. But uh, uh, I'm very honest and and sorry to disappoint you. But uh, with these... Uh, c cables they are the most secure in the world the 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 hand uh, held mobile devices that you are carrying today they are providing the security risk which is real and which is there uh, this kind of cable system it's 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 a layered one system which you connect you have a uh, fibers you have fiber rings and then you have branching units and branching outlets so the way we are building and designing this this uh, architecture, it's a security for all. And I'm, I'm not talking about any specific country, because it has to be secure to any, uh, let's say, private person, to any enterprise, and it has to be also secure for any government for their own use. And, and, and no intervening between them. We have no, uh, let's say, routing which would go across. Uh, which would make sort of uh, bad kind of uh, uh, routings, which would enable a, a, a sort of uh, breach of uh, cybersecurity. But that's a thing we are very, very, uh, let's say, concerned about in a positive way, because we know how it can be done. And it's also very important that each and everyone has the possibility to run their own business services without interruption.
2: Yes. Thank you. I'm afraid we're running out of time, but in this session, I hope we have established uh, uh, a sense uh, that uh, what's happening now is actually transformational to the Arctic. It's transformational to the Arctic people. It will deliver new opportunities, new interesting jobs. Uh, working around data centers, people calculate that it's uh, half or one to two jobs per megawatt. A supercomputing data center uses between 100 and 200 megawatts. And it's an investment of maybe $200 million, but it then produces high-paying jobs, 200 to 400 jobs, with highly skilled workforce. So uh, to the Arctic, this will lead to better connectivity. We can use renewable energy in the Arctic, which will reduce the carbon footprint. We can make use of the natural cooling. And and I think going forward, uh, these two Quintillion and Arctic Connect projects will prove themselves to be extremely important. But thank you for your attention, thank you.